Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Nick Krabs is a partner and founding member of Vinyl, a product development firm that works with corporations, institutions, and investors to build unique mobile web applications that are technically excellent, visually appealing, and create real and measurable business value. Prior to his work with Vinyl, Nick spent nearly a decade working for some of the nation's largest banking institutions, local municipalities, and large enterprise environments as an IT specialist and manager. Embracing his more entrepreneurial endeavors, community engagement, and tech evangelism, Nick has worked with several startups, local community organizations, and leadership with large-scale events to leverage his knowledge and expertise in technology management and recruiting to judge events, offer mentorship, speak on panels, and contribute to a growing tech and entrepreneurial ecosystem. Nick, welcome to the One Away Show. Brian, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you here. Been fun watching you uh, stand tall in front of the Boise Innovation community the last couple of years. Um, so, Nick, what is the one-away moment that you want to share with us today? Yeah, well, you know, of course, uh, without giving the 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 full introduction and backstory of my whole life and where I was born and all that good stuff, uh, I think, uh, you know, mine might be strange from your other guests in the sense that I kind of looked at a series of small moments that have culminated in something that's that's pretty important to me. And I'll generally quantify this as, you know, about six years ago, seven years ago, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, I made this unintentional transition from, you know, working on my business all the time, you know, nose the grinder, uh, doing doing that stuff. Uh, to volunteering a whole bunch of my time in different community organizations. Um, and that includes, you know, what is now Boise Entrepreneur Week, which is the the state's largest um, kind of entrepreneurial community-led focused event. Um, it's a week-long thing that happens here in Boise every year that's been pretty uh, crazy to, you know, being on a school board uh, and, and what that experience has especially been like over the last two years with COVID and, and um, you know, being advisors on companies and college programs and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I get so much fulfillment from, you know, spending my time really at the end of it, trying to help other people being successful at their ambitions. And the weird thing is, is I think in my business life, I've always kind of taken that position as well. Like I've always had another founder that I was being brought in to be like the number two guy, right? EVP, C, whatever, right? But there was always someone else who I was kind of being there to try and like help elevate and, and you know, run around behind them with a bucket trying to pick up the, the water that was flying off of what they were doing. And, uh, you know, I found in, in community work and, and ecosystem building, like it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. It's just, uh, you're doing it on a more macro scale for your region than, than just to inside your company. Wow. Lots of, lots of pick, pull away from that answer. And, uh, you know, I, what I was thinking about as you were talking was, you know, the founder type, you know, they're so heads down, they're so in that tunnel of 
let me build, 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 and come up for air, you know, when I'm 40 and, uh, you know, go to the beach and call it a day. Uh, but you, you seems like you were looking at a little more forethought to, okay, I can still live some passions and build passions, but I can also expand and uh, evolve in layers and help in different areas in the community. What made you maybe look outside your, let's just maybe call it your comfort zone uh, of work and say, you know what, maybe there's more to the world than just business and I can help and serve in different ways. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the catalyst was that, you know, as a business owner operator, I, you know, you're involved in a lot of this kind of stuff. You maybe get asked to speak at a conference or you get asked to hop on a podcast or like, well, like you're certainly a resource that different um, organizations might pull from to come kind of offer some perspective. And, and, you know, I always felt like that stuff, and I'm using that very generally here could like go better, right. Especially in my local community. I was like, man, if I was in that position, I would do it this, that, or whatever way. Right. And of course, entrepreneurs, you're like problem solvers. So like in every interaction, you can't even help it. Like whether you want to or not, when someone involves you in something, there's always this thing that happens in your brain. You're like, man, if I was going to do this this way, I'd have a totally different way of doing it. Right. Like we can't help it. Uh, maybe we're <laughs> a little broken because of that. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't know, I just would always have that kind of feeling behind these interactions. And um, the municipality was actually the first ones that asked me to like run something, right? The city, uh, I had, you know, kind of sent them an email on some ideas on a program they were working on. And, and one of the points that I made was you really need to have an entrepreneur run this. Like entrepreneurs are built to like, especially for an entrepreneurial program, you need to have an entrepreneur that can give the correct advice, like understand the problems that other entrepreneurs are having. If you just have like a city official or a college professor or something, you're going to like miss the, you're going to miss the beat, right? It's not going to be quite right because they don't really live that life and understand those problems. Um, and so the city, I have to credit them. They were like, great, you should run it. And my first gut reaction was like, oh man, I should have never opened my mouth. What was I thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> what have I done? Um, but you know, that was kind of the start of it was, was just like trying to offer some advice to yeah. someone else's program on how maybe they should go about doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, right? When, you, when you're born a certain way or you develop a certain muscle, you're always looking at how can something be a little bit better. And so no matter what line of work you're in, community service or community work or work work, uh, you're always going to maybe have that edge to finesse things uh, in a way that you you have a vision to shape it. Well, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, it's the entrepreneurial mindset, right? That's really what this is. And, you know, some of us are more sick with it than others. Um, <laughs> but that's what it is, right? There's like, there's some percentage of the population that just like has the entrepreneurial mindset, whether they went to school for it or whether they didn't, doesn't really matter your background, right? Like you have it or you don't. Uh, I think you can work on building it, right? It's not to say that those are stationary places, but um, yeah, that's what it is. And, and uh, you know, I think that's a, a big component of it. Totally. So I couldn't agree more with you. I think you're right. Just having that mindset is just in life is, is such a tool toolkit that you can leverage in a way that can help others, uh, which you've done. Uh, you know, Nick, I'm curious, you know, you, you, you going back to what you said at the beginning of, wanting to get involved in the community and seeing your talents used in, in multiple ways. 
was there something inside of you that maybe felt a little unfulfilled or, or shallow, um, or you just wanted to expand your horizons? And then the second part to that question is when you started to dip your feet in the water on the community side, did anything inside of you change, like a sense of aliveness or, or a different kind of purpose? I'm, I'm just trying to understand the feeling of the, the two. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's probably a few different ways to answer that question. And and some of it is like, why, why would you spend, you know, 450 hours a year and more, um, you know, volunteering your time outside of just working on your business? I still have a business to work on, right? I still have three partners and we run a, you know, a software company and, and that's like still a reality every day too. Um, but I think that for me, um, it was a really great opportunity to flex some muscles that I knew I had and I use them in my business life, no doubt. Um, but like, it wasn't quite the same of like going out and kind of being the master of your domain, volunteering your time, right? It's, you, you don't have to like ask for permission very often when you're just like showing up to help. Right. And so that's like, I thought that was something that I was going to enjoy about doing these and, and like specifically around like, running Boise Entrepreneur Week, for instance, right? Like given a program like that, you know, it really was pretty evergreen. They, they hadn't like, they hadn't built anything really yet. And so I, I kind of got the opportunity to just turn it into what it was. Um, and, and that was like a ton of fun to think through all those things. And I think the other thing about doing this stuff is you learn yourself, like this has been some fraction of business school for me right? Like the amount of learning that I got to do by interacting with all these other people, their startups, their problems, their fundraising cycles that they're trying to go through. Like I get a small piece of the benefit of every single one of those, just in like understanding how the solution was arrived at. And, and like, that's awesome. That's super awesome. And so you're asking about change, like how have I changed through this? Well, yeah, I have a lot different perspectives, a lot of different perspectives on how you build community, how you fundraise, how you run a startup, what a good idea, what a bad idea is. I mean, like fundamentally different than what I would have thought five or six years ago. Hmm. Okay. So let's, let's take that and build on that one step further. You, you, you come into Boise Startup Week. I love what you said a lot about, you don't have to ask for permission when you're just showing up to serve and help. I mean... That is so true and so pure. For you, you said there are a lot of things that you would have done differently um, that or you're thinking about things a lot differently than when you started, especially, let's say, in relation to building community. So five years ago, how, how were you thinking about building community and how has that changed since you've gotten your feet in the trenches? Yeah, I mean, wow. Like I could, we could we could do a whole talk in a whiteboard about just that, <laughs> no doubt. But, um, you know, I think one of the biggest one is, is understanding how important relationships and relationship building truly is in helping others access their opportunities or their best lives. And so what I mean by that is I think when I first started, I was like looking for mic drop moments, right? I was like looking for these opportunities to like walk in a room and like say a really smart thing and like figuratively drop the mic and be like, thanks folks, I'm here all week, right? Like, I think I was looking for moments like that at times. 
Um, and I thought that was a way to, to get something right. I thought that just being like invited to being on the stage or in the news article or like whatever it was, like, I thought that was some pathway to get something. Hmm. And I, and I realized like, that's actually the, the least beneficial part of doing this stuff. Actually, the more beneficial part is the person who invited you to come. Like, how can you help them? What can you do for them? Because that's like a lasting lifelong, you know, useful relationship that you both can get like great interaction from have fine fulfillment like that. That's the better part than whether or not you did some other activity. And then the mic drop moments are really irrelevant, right? Like mm. then you don't have to, it doesn't matter. You can just show up and like, all right, well, I see it this way. Like, you know, maybe people don't agree with me. Maybe it's the wrong way. Like you can be a lot more, you know, maybe egalitarian with the way that you talk about things. You certainly don't have to be as definitive in how you talk about things. And I think it's a big difference. Uh, what do they say? This only the Sith speak in absolutes, right? So now it's like a weird thing that like sets me off is when I hear people talking these really crazy absolutes, I'm like, ah, you know, they're evil. Cause they're, <laughs> cause yeah. they like, haven't, they haven't gone through the cycle to be a little bit more egalitarian in how they think hmm. about this stuff. Well, to your point, I mean, I think a lot of people will pay a lot of money for just the mic drop moments or they're, they work to the mic drop moments yet. I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the mic, the mic drop moments are, are the byproducts. So when you get to them, you can just show up and be yourself. And it's just like, keep going along with your day and say, yeah, that was good. But you know, you're not doing it for the mic drop moments. You're, you're doing it because of all these small moments that maybe created a bigger moment. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've gotten to a point where I don't even know that, that like, that's not the value at all. Yeah. Right. The value, the value in having any of these kind of interactions is the fact that you get to meet interesting people and you get to spend your time trying to figure out how to either be a community builder together or to bring resources to what they're trying to do. You know, sometimes I'll be, they'll be like, Oh, it'd be really great if you could come be on this panel and that will like, you know, bring some audience or whatever. And I'm like, sure. Like it, it you know, again, it doesn't really matter what I'm saying there. It's mattering that they're getting something for me showing up or me bringing a resource to them. Uh, that's the better part. That's the part that makes a difference in anyone's trajectory, including yourself. It's not that you said something smart. Yeah, no, I, I love your humble uh, mentality about you know the way you go about things and relationships. So let's let's so let's keep diving into your experience with Boise Startup. Again, if you have other service opportunities, by all means, slip them in here that you want to share. Um, you know what I've noticed is you you know this, these moments was very formative for you, and you were able to show up in areas and help. Usually, though, you know, to make something formative, there's there are certain people who make make that experience super formative, or, or specific experiences that you can look back on and and say within the just to say the nucleus of serving. Um, I'm sure there have been people or specific moments slash experiences where you look back and you say that that really shaped how I feel about this. Are there does anything maybe come to your mind when I was saying that that would be worthwhile to highlight or or speak to? Oh yeah. Absolutely. So there's this statistic I started like talking about um, as like Entrepreneur Week and some of the activities that we do there come up. And it's that in in seven years, we've awarded uh, something on the order of about $340,000 of like non-dilutive funds to early stage companies. Some of them may not like really be qualified as startups, but like, that's not what the, where they're there to judge, right? Like we're there to judge how they pitch and, and we award money. The, the thing that I think we're the most proud of 
is every single one of those companies is still in business today. That's like shocking. I mean, that is bucking the trend beyond belief. And these aren't like huge checks, right? This is $10,000, $25,000. But these are really, really early stage companies. Really, you know, if you're from looking at it from an investor perspective, really high risk. And so the fact they'd still be around um, and thriving in most cases, I mean, they're growing and hiring employees and getting their products on store shelves or you know, acquiring new users. And why do I like say that's the the part that's most interesting? There's a ton of other stuff we do beyond that, but it's just stuff like this didn't exist before. There was no place you go pitch and get the non-dilutive funds in Boise, Idaho. It, it didn't exist. And so, you know, founders would leave or they would kind of die on the vine before they got that first like check. Um, it's also very validating when they go out and try and raise real money. They get a lot of news articles written about them, blah, blah, blah. There's all this good stuff that surrounds them as they go off into the world. And every year when we run Entrepreneur Week, the lead up to it is just kind of like, it's crazy, right? Trying to put on an event with a hundred and some odd sessions and all this stuff. And it's hard. And every year I'm like, God, I don't know if I have another one in me. Like, this is rough. And then we award these like checks and we see all the previous winners because they all come back. And I'm like, oh, that's why we do it. That's it right there. Like, it's all worth it again. And I ride that high for like three or four months and totally forget all the pain of how hard it was to organize the event. And so it's like euphoric recall. I get like stuck in to do it again because <laughs> all I remember is the good stuff. No, I mean, this, um, you're making me go back to my college entrepreneur days and think about all the events and the people who made them possible, right? And And I think what's so special about the position you're in is you know, the people who show up or the students you're awarding checks to, they may not truly notice or uh, let's just say always appreciate it uh, just because they're in their own mind. But you're able to have this holistic view of, you know, the, what the event you're put on, the opportunity you've created, and then you get to like really see and feel uh, that impact. I mean, you really get to serve uh, in, in such a beautiful way. Well, and it's, it has parlayed to an interesting place in my life too. You know, I mean, I now, my partners and I last year, well, I guess 18 months, you know, we've deployed like 1.8 million in really early stage venture investment, mostly in Boise, but kind of all over the place. Um, you know, I wouldn't have seen four or five years ago that that would have been the direction of, of, you know, what I'd be spending my time on. But, you know, I mean, when you're involved in that ecosystem and you're building something like that, you're, you're going to see all the great founders that are worthy to be invested in. And so, you know, it's who, who better, who better to, you know, in some regards. And so, um, yeah, I mean, all that stuff just builds on it on top of it. And there's always people in ecosystems who like ultimately are, are connectors, right? They're people who will help bring resources to it. And, and I think I now get to credit myself being that, but it's, it's, I guess it's weird when you're like self-crediting yourself or something like that, <laughs> but you know, like, it seems like that's kind of where things have, have gotten to. And, and it's, um, it's a fun place to be. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you, um, saying, and you like, you, uh, again, I think you should be proud and, and grateful and, and you've created these opportunities for yourselves, but you know, by you putting yourself, uh, in a leadership role within the community, like you get to see, you get to see that direct impact, maybe in a different way from customer experience and clients that, that you're working with in, in the day job, so to speak. So um, it's neat. It's also neat. Maybe what I'm hearing is, you know, you're a partner at Vinyl, uh, the software company, um, but you're noticing. I guess 
let me ask this more question. How are you noticing, right? Your community experience uh, impacting the, the business and vice versa. So we have this philosophy at our company generally, which is why I get a lot of permission to like go and run off and be a board member for a school board or something, right? Which is that one way for us to sharpen our own tool as engineers, as entrepreneurs, as you know, creative thinkers is to go and spend our time solving problems for others. At the end of the day, like, especially a business like ours, that's what, that's what we're paid to do, right? Like we are a services company paid to build and write software in interesting ways for clients and be engrossed in their problems to make them better. And so what better way to sharpen your sword than to do that in your backyard for the place you live, work and play and the people who are your neighbors, right? It's a way to sharpen your own sword and being better at your craft. And so we encourage our employees to get involved in all kinds of stuff. I mean, they serve on boards of this, that, or whatever. We sponsor those events as well. Like, I mean, and we encourage them to do so because we think it's a way to, to keep your spirit of service alive uh, in everything you do in your life. Yeah. It's neat that, you know, you have that trust built in, um, but you're looking at it from a problem solving angle. You're looking at it from an angle of, I mean, the application of experiences too, you know, while you're here on a school board, you, you know, I'm sure you're learning things and you're meeting people though, that you can apply different perspectives to solving different problems. Uh, so I, I find that fascinating. Something I'm curious about, uh, Nick, is you've talked a lot about how, uh, from an element of change and uh, you changing as a person through, you know, you say your, your views on community have changed, not just, you know, mic drop moments, but now, I'm going to make maybe steeper, deeper divots with individuals on a relational level, but beyond maybe the interpersonal side or perspectives that have shifted, how do you think you as a person, as Nick grabs change the most by serving without expectation, but serving out of just pure love for what you're doing? How have you changed as a person? Yeah. Um, this is this is, might sound really silly, but I think I found a sense of calm that I didn't have. Now that could also be the transition from being in like your late twenties to your early thirties. Uh, like I, I'm not sure if I just got older and therefore I am also wiser, or if some of this stuff led to that. Um, you know, I uh, I think that's been something that's been a little different. I think when you're younger and you're scrappier, you spend a lot of time really trying to like fight it out, right? Sit down at a table and put your elbows out. Um, make sure your points are heard, make sure the the things you're driving on are successful. And, and, you know, you might be a little bit scrappier, a little bit of a fighter about it. And I think as, as all this work, when you're spending so much time in community stuff where that like behavior doesn't really like accomplish the goals in the same way that it does maybe, as you know, a CEO of a young hot startup, um, like I, I find myself having a lot more kind of like, all right, like I don't know if I like love the opinion that you have, but like I also don't need to like fight with it either. Like I don't need to like, I can be pretty laissez-faire and be like, oh, cool, man, that's great. Like a high five, good luck, right? Like, <laughs> and so I find myself having like more and more of that just applied generally across my life is that I, you know, you don't really need to stick your elbows out in every situation. Totally. So it's kind of weird. I wrote something down before you just said that answer I was going to ask you about. Um, I'll tell you what it was, but I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat for a second. To build on that, before I kind of 
lean into what I was going to ask you. Were you more of a fighter or more of a, I got to have my point heard? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and For tell sure. me more, tell me more and maybe where, where you think it might've come from. I mean, I have no idea where I learned this, but I, th- I think for the longest time, I thought the way that you arrived at good solutions for things was that you had to fight about it. Right. So like, maybe I was like, okay, I need your thesis. And regardless of what you say, I need to apply, provide some antithesis and we have to like battle that out and we will arrive at the correct decision through the other end. And so I think I spent a lot of my early entrepreneurial days, like assuming that is how it was done. Um, and I don't know where I learned that. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't, I, you know, I'm sure a therapist could figure that one out for somebody else, but like, I thought that's how you did it. And, um, you know, I mean, in some cases you still have to know where to, where to put your foot down. I mean, certainly that's true in any case in business, you have to know how to negotiate things in a correct way. But when you lead from a place of having healthy relationships, um, you approach those problems a little differently, Mm. right? When you lead from a place of like, I don't need to win the argument. I need to make sure that you and I can work together on some common ground when that's like the actual goal, almost regardless of what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. I think that really changes how you operate in all of those situations. And so I don't, you know, I don't find myself having to do that a whole lot uh, anymore. And And maybe again, that could just be a getting older thing that could be a community thing. I don't really know, but like that has changed. And, and I think it's a good lesson that I had to learn. Uh, I think a lot of people have to learn that lesson. I wrote down before you talked about getting comfortable, you know, maybe in your early thirties, I wrote down something I wanted to ask you before the interview. I wrote comfortable with yourself. And I noticed when we were having dinner in Boise a few weeks ago, I just noticed a sense of extreme comfort with who you were. It's just, I mean, I'm not telling you this to just boost an ego or like, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you this because like when we were in conversation, you were just so comfortable in your own skin. And I, like it really, uh, I reflected on that and, um, it was very neat. I, I had literally went home and journaled about it. Like I was like very comfortable with yourself, like, you know, and I, I just thought I admired it and you said it came from service. I mean, or, or maybe a part of it, but when you, so my question is to, to, to build on that, when you said you were in such a, a fighting, like I got to point, prove a point and that's how I, you know, I'm going to win and get my point across when we're, when I've noticed that when we're in such conflict with maybe who we are, other people, it's like we're adding weight and like a lot of baggage and like things mm-hmm. to ourselves. I mean, do you have any kind of like breaking point at all? Like in this process where it's just like, I got to strip all this down because the weight of this burden of fighting is just too much. Wow. There's a lot to unpack in that question. I mean, it's a big question, right? So like there's a lot of little things that add up in people's lives to make them comfortable in their own skin. And the truth is we all know that some people go through their whole life, never really finding their, their own personal Zen, whatever that may be. Right. And not to say that I'm some like guru who's figured it out. Cause like I, I figured something out kind of <laughs> maybe that works for me. Right. Um, but I think that it stems from a lot of things. Like what are the, what are the important parts of anyone's life that bring fulfillment. And I think there's some like truth, universal truths about it, right? Like let's cut out the normal stuff. Like, okay, am I fed? Am I housed? Can I like provide for the basic necessities to exist? Right? Like that's pretty, that's a very base level one, but then it comes into what are my relationships like, right? What is, what is my relationship like around me? 
And, you know, I think when I was in my like late twenties and, and, you know, being a young founder and really early in that, I mean, it wasn't, this wasn't my first venture. Um, you know, I think most of my relationships were okay, but I also found that I would like be in these strange situations from time to time. And I don't know if there was some like light bulb aha moment that went off in my head. I don't think that happened, but I think that like people want you to be authentic with them. And the expectation is that they can then be authentic back to you and you can build like healthy relationships with those people. And this transcends business relationships, but is certainly applicable too. But I mean, you can talk about it with your siblings, your parents, your significant other, your like, whatever. I mean, I have people who like come and help me work on a farm. I will live on a farm. Right. And so like, (laughs) it's true there too. Right. Like honesty, authenticity, and like making sure that you're going into each one of those interactions where you're prepared to give that authentic self. Um, I mean, we've all run into people who are like, man, I just don't feel like they told me the truth, right? I feel like they're being sneaky or whatever. Like there's some like hair raised on the back of your feel, your neck. Like their goal should always be not to be that person, right? Like what can you do in your interactions? I think once I made that change in my life where I stopped having to worry about always being right, I stopped having to worry about always having the best idea. I stopped having to worry about trying to prove myself in a way that, um, you know, maybe people in who are in their early twenties feel like they need to do. Um, it made a substantial difference in my ability to maintain positive relationships with other people. Uh, and I think it, certainly for business, certainly for volunteering, certainly for all these places in my life, it made a big difference. Um, and, and again, no one's perfect. I fall down too, but like, (laughs) that's a, that's a, that's a thing that I think helped a lot. Yeah. I appreciate the transparency. I mean, that's what I know. That's what I felt is just authenticity and honesty. And, and I I try and do that most of the time. Um, but I also find it very rare, uh, especially in other men, younger men, um, and it's just, it was so apparent. And like, that's why I was, I just, I walked away from that conversation and I was just like, that was really neat. Um, and so I, you know, when we have those formative life experiences that precede us and shape us, like you said, it sounds like you built the awareness to say, you know, what, I don't, I don't really want to live like this anymore. And serving in the communal sense, give you an outlet. Um, maybe to, to show up a little differently. And I mean, did, let me ask you another question around like self-value or worth. Once you started um, volunteering in, in the community, you know, Boise Startup Week, and um, did you did you like who you were better? You know, did you, did you like the person that you were becoming more? Do you notice any shifts there? Well, and that's it, right? I think that's the key, which is that I don't know if I would have come to this realization. And again, I'm talking about it like I sat down one night and I had like a cognac in one hand and was like, <laughs> aha, Eureka, we figured out the secret, right? Like, it, no, like <laughs> what happened was I started spending a lot of time trying to help other people. And through that process over years, you just like, you realize that like you have to show up in a very different way to do that. And, and so you're almost like subconsciously training yourself to value the way that you interact with other people. And, and it, it is really different when you're trying to lend your talents in a volunteering capacity um, and do that for a sustained amount of time. Um, I think, I think doing it once here or there, you know, like showing up a soup kitchen on, on 
Thanksgiving. That's great. If you do that, awesome. I'm not trying to put it down. It's a good thing to do, but like, it's not sustained. Right. right? So you kind of get your moment to like pat yourself on the back, but did you like reprogram some core part of you? Was that even a goal? I don't know. But for me, that definitely happened. It happened without me trying to make it happen. It just happened organically because you have to act different. And, um, and I think it's been awesome. I mean, I think it's been a, a wonderful thing in my life. I think it's unlocked a whole bunch of other stuff that I would have never even considered, right? Again, the farm is a great example for your listeners. I had no plans of being a farmer. I'm not a farmer. I know I'm from Idaho, but like <laughs> that is not, I grew up in an apartment. <laughs> like, um, but you know, it was like, it was a cool thing that just like has always intrigued me. And I just happened to have like met the right people in the right moments. And we like had built lasting friendships and I was like, screw it. Let's have a farm. That sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were, you were so present to the signals. I, I just, I want to hammer one, one last point. Let's shift to the farm just because it's fascinating. What I think is so neat about sir, what, what you've done to serve and give is you've done it. And I, and I, like you said, it's not sustainable to a soup kitchen because perhaps it's not as aligned to an experience, but you're, you've been able to serve in a way that's so aligned to your strengths and skill sets without expecting a payday at the end of it. And then you have that merger and kind of shared nucleus of, you know, it can help in both areas. So I think that's a really interesting when you think about serving. Okay. How do you do it in a way that's connected where you can bring your skills right. and relationships into it, opposed to doing something so different, even though that might be really nice, it may not be as useful over the long haul doing it. So just wanted to hammer that point home. Well, and the, and the feedback you get to gives you kind of this unintended upside, which is that you get a place to practice and learn yourself, right? And so when you're using and you're applying like your craft your skills to that volunteering, it really is a different experience because again, you don't have to ask permission. You can try different things. You can be more brave. Maybe like I certainly felt that I got to be more brave about stuff I wanted to try. Um, so anyways, it's, I mean, it's certainly, uh, it certainly is, has a lot of impact in wherever you are and whoever is around you. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. I mean, you just see how your face lights up when you uh, talk about it. I mean, I can send you the video after, but you can just tell like it's coming from a place of, of internal joy. I was in Boise a couple of weeks ago and uh, Nick had me over for dinner and cooked a bomb, bomb uh, Indian meal, uh, chicken, curry, rice. Well, it was incredible, but he, beyond beating him in pool on the first game that he wore a glove because he was so good. Um, he also showed me his tour, a tour of his farm, um, which I guess was amazing. You literally are living on like a self-sustaining commune like that you've built and it's fascinating. So again, like I think this goes with being comfortable with yourself. You're like, screw it. I'm going to go build a farm and why not? Like how did this happen? Unravel. I find it such an interesting part of who you are. Yeah. Well, so first I'll say something that may or may not be true, which is I think all of us have this fantasy in some form right? All of us like have this dream of some kind of like self-sustainability, whether that's a farm or just like growing a garden or whatever, like there's very different ways that it manifests, but all of us have some kind of agrarian desire in us somewhere. And I've been thinking about this for a long time and I didn't really know what the end form was going to take, but I'd always been like, ah, we should be more connected to our food. Like, you know, that's like out of whack, out of balance in our culture. Like all this stuff comes from a factory and it's probably killing us. In fact, we know it's killing us. You know, we still eat it. And so like, that was one component of it. The second component of it is there's such an opportunity for community building 
in that kind of activity, right? People who have shared purpose, goals, visions around something so like core to who we are as humans, which is our food. Um, and so like through kind of those things, I just been having lots of conversations with my friends and people I would meet and, you know, I'd find someone who ran like a small urban farm or, a, you know, a, a co-op farm or something along those lines. I was, I was just fascinated by these people. I'd like talk to them for hours about like, why, how, what did you do? Um, coupled with this, I, I had this idea that like land use in this country is one very privileged and my whole farm is a very privileged place. So like, I understand where I'm coming from here, but like land use in this country is very privileged, right? The concept of a home is that I will like buy a piece of land and I will like live in it with my significant other and we will have 2.5 kids. And like, I will pass this home to those 2.5 kids when I die. And it will be like a source of wealth and, and like, that's our land use. And by the way, the most cultivated crop in the United States is grass which is silly. <laughs> like, what a waste of water. <laughs> and so I just couldn't see myself doing that. I just couldn't like believe that that was going to be my life. And I was so excited and energized by something very different. Um, and so then I had to figure it out. What, what does that actually look like? And so the goal was, let me start here. This was the goal of the farm. How do I use a piece of land for a community purpose to make it a free house. There we go. How do I use a piece of land for a community purpose to make it a free house? Um, and there's a whole bunch of ways in which I do that, but largely it's true. So I live in, you know, on a couple acres here in Boise in a, you know, 3,800 square foot house with a guest house. And the house is free because of a combination of selling veggies, the combination of having um, artists and musicians paying for you know rent and, and all the things that would come with them coming and going, um, a combination of, of course, tax incentives that come from producing food and caring for animals. Um, a lot of people know this, but my goats are a tax write-off. Like who wouldn't? I didn't know that until I talked to a tax guy, right? <laughs> and so when you add all that stuff together, it's largely very close um, of a free house. And I think that we should be thinking about land use as a way to help other people live happier, better lives um, as a community project. And I think there's a financial incentive for the, per the people who put that together uh, in order to have a home like that. Um, again, my rents are way below market rate and yet I'm fine, right? And so I think that's that was the goal. The, the output of that is we spent two years... Um, I mean, completely redoing this property. We ran 30,000 feet of drip line irrigation. We produced truckloads worth of veggies. We sell it at a farm stand every Saturday. I have never had so much fun working on something. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing more pure than like grabbing a shovel and walking outside and digging a ditch so that like the water can flow across your cornfield correctly. Like, that's as pure as it gets. Like, <laughs> and when you come in and you're like, muddy and sweaty and everything hurts because you're not in, in shape enough to dig the trench right like like that is one of the best feelings that i've experienced like it's so fulfilling to have the place that you live be that yeah totally for, for those that 
can't visualize Nick's farm. I mean, it is big. I mean, you got the goats in the back, you the whole front line, you have all the different, you know, the fruit trees. You, I mean, it's a, it's a big place. It's, it's amazing how, how much effort you got that wall by, by the road. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I mean, what you've done in just two years, right. It, it's pretty cool. The, the, the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking and maybe not when I first um, was there was um, you were talking about, the farmer's market that you do in a way though, right. Connecting back to the first part of our conversation, the farmer's market, you're serving a community. You're, you know, you're, you're serving, you're, you're creating a place for people to come to organize, meet, connect in a really shared, beautiful shared experience. Um, you know, in a way that's probably fairly affordable for the community. I mean, have you, do, do you see the farm as a vehicle to serve as well? I mean, how, what, how do you think about it? Well, I mean, certainly as a, as a community builder, I mean, that was intentional, right? We wanted people to come here and be here and experience being here. And I mean, it's really like just an example of this. So we'll have people who come to the farm stand and we like have pre-picked the veggies, right? So there'll be like a creative potatoes and there'll be like a creative, you know, radishes or whatever. And like, people will be like, can you give me a tour and show me where the radishes came from? And can I pick them myself? Right? Like, and we're like, yeah, sure, let's do it, right? And and so like, there's this this whole component of people being really excited about what we've been built here, especially the people around us, and you know, a couple square miles, right? Um, and similar to like Entrepreneur Week, where I was talking about the payoff there, where we see like these founders going off and like doing something great, like to see someone's joy coming on a place and being like, I, I've been watching you for a year and like seeing you guys with out here with shovels every day, right. Digging in the field. And now I get to pick a radish and like, take it home and eat it. Um, we were, we were doing this thing for a while where we would give, uh, everyone 15% off if they sent us pictures of what they cooked with the food. Um, and so our like Instagram was just getting so flooded cool. with all these pictures of like the dishes that people made. And it was sick. We found out one guy's like a professional chef. We had no idea. He came every Saturday. We had no idea. This dude was a professional chef. He like works at one of the restaurants in downtown. And these were the veggies he was buying for his family. Right. So this is what he would cook at home. Hmm. And dude, his dishes were sick. They were so good. looking. So no, hundred percent. Right. It was intentional to be a place of community. Uh, and we also kind of stumbled into it. Right. Cause we bought the farm and then COVID happened and like a whole bunch of people I knew who were bartenders, musicians, artists, whatever, they all lost their jobs. And I was like, Hey, like come grab a shovel. I can't pay like a ton, but like, you know, I'll give you some money to like dig a bed and plant some onions, like whatever. Let's, <laughs> and you can eat it too. Like it's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, Nick, I mean, it's a dimension. I mean, I struggled with this a lot in my early 20s and, you know, growing out of it in my mid to late 20s, but work becomes so much of an individual and what's so neat is branching out and, and building layers. And, you know, I know you're a musician and you're very talented with music, but uh, you have all these components to you beyond the maybe one thing that pays your bills uh, and, and you can serve a community through a farmer's market. You can serve the community through Boise uh, Entrepreneurship Week. Uh, you can be a part of people's lives and give the gifts that you've created for built in with internally. And now you can start giving those and serving in different ways and, and you know, become more multidimensional uh, in a way that 
you know, you can create large impact on, on, on your own terms. And I think that's what's so neat for someone so young, right? I think people get old, they, they have the kids, they live the traditional lifestyle, they get married and you know, all the things, but I like how you've done it different and you haven't maybe fell into society's expectations, so to speak. Well, I think that like we tell children that we want them to follow their passions, right? Like be passionate and go follow your passions. But you know what? I don't think we really mean it. <laughs> like when our kids are like, great, I want to be an artist. We're like, no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. You need to go get a college degree, preferably in something that's like paying a lot of money. And that should be your passion, right? Like we don't really mean it when we tell this to kids. And so, you know, really what you're poking at is that like, I, I try to work on things that inspire my own passion, mm. right? And if it's not that, then I probably won't do it, right? Like, so it has to be something that like stirs that thing in me. Um, and then I'm all in, like I'm two feet in. I, you know, I can run fast and I'll run as fast as I can at it because it like brings some sense of joy to and purpose to my life. Yeah, no, I, I love everything you just said. And uh, I think it's so true and it's just great to see. So. Um, Nick, I've been thinking, take me like, you may have no idea 20, you may have no idea 10, but maybe five. Who's Nick Crab in five or 10 years? What, what, what do you see for your life, the impact you're, you're serving? I mean, what, maybe give me the, the core tenets of um, Nick Crabs. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, this is going to be the most boring answer ever, but man, I have no idea. <laughs> You know, I have no idea, right? I think that you have to live today on today's terms. Mm. You live today on how you're going to help the next person in front of you. You spend your time by working on the next right thing in front of you. Mm. And it's amazing how many good things that will shape your life happen. And I'm a very like, try to get narrow and compartmentalized kind of person. I think it's the only way that I can like, do all the stuff, right? Uh, a lot of people ask me, they're like, when do you sleep? And they're like, well, you have to understand, like, I don't have kids. And I like, you know, like, there's all this other stuff I chose not to do. So I could do these things instead. But it also is having some discipline to just like, okay, this is the next person I need to help. This is the next email I need to craft. This is the next, you know, report I need to send. Like, this is the next trench I need to dig. And this is where the corn is planted, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm injecting a few different things from my life here. But like, I try to think about it that way. If I spend a bunch of time thinking about what five years brings, you know, I, I have a hard time doing it because it never works out the way. And, and the root of all pain is expectations. So why put expectations on yourself that you're maybe going to be disappointed about later? Right. Sure. Well, there, there, there's pain either way as well. Learning in life. It's just, you, <laughs> you, you choose your pain. So, well, if, if you're, if you're good with any outcome to some extent, like if you know how to roll with the punches, it's hard to be disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so I'm reading a book right now on that. It's called Emotional Agility. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyways, it's a hard skill to learn. Um, but you know, it's it's a I think a great skill to have because you're right. Like learning to take a punch and not spiral is a useful skill, and um, you can navigate life much easier. So, uh, Nick, this has been uh, just as good, if not better, than I expected. Uh, always a treat. Um, where can people get involved with Boise Startup Week? Where can they contact you at Vinyl? Where can they reach out to you on LinkedIn? What, what's what's the best places for you? 
yeah i mean if any of this resonates with anybody you want to meet up i'm always happy to chat um so linkedin is definitely the the best place just kind of blanket reach out to me you can literally just search my name nick crabs n-i-c-k-c-r-a-b-b-s um and i should come up uh, there are not that many nick crabs in the world believe it or not um <laughs> And uh, in terms of Boise Entrepreneur Week, you can get that at boiseentrepreneurweek.org. And Vinyl, if you want to see what I do for my day job, is vinyl, V-Y-N-Y-L.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.